I want to try to speak to you prophetically and to your life, to your spirit today. In chapter 7 of the book of Luke, we're going to be reading from verse 11 to verse 16. Most of you who have been with me through the years know that this is one of my favorite stories in the word of God. The widow of Nain, and I preach many messages on this story, and I believe God always gives me something, a new angle on it. And I want to minister to you today, if I may. Can you help me put this down, please? Praise God. Uh, I was speaking to my father yesterday concerning the word of God. And as the Spirit directed our conversation, we began to speak deep into the Word of God, of what church is about. And he began to say, son, um, how, how do you know all these things? Or what? I said, you know, some things God has revealed to me and others I've just learned from men of God who have poured into my life. He said, how can I get that understanding? And I said, Dad, if you look to the word of God, of course, you always look at the context of everything, but learn how to look at the word of God prophetically and how it applies to our times here today. Many times, you know, we we just look at the miracles of Jesus. Oh, cool, man. He did a cool miracles. But they all have a prophetic meaning, as I will prove to you today as we read the story. And the story that we're going to see today is, is the story of the widow from Nain, the widow from Nain, a tremendous, powerful story of a woman who had lost her husband and became a widow. And, you know, back then, back then, uh, the reality was that every woman desired to have children and at least a desire, at least to have a man in as their children, because, and this woman, the Bible tells us, or alludes to that, she lost her husband and she had her son, and now her, her own son had died. So you could just imagine the grief of this woman, losing her husband, losing her, her son, and the economical repercussions that come in those times. But I thank God for Jesus Christ. But in the fulfillment of time, (laughs) God always has a purpose. And he always wants to fulfill it, but there's an appropriate time. You know, we're called to preach the gospel to Jerusalem and then Judea and then Samaria and the whole world. But there's, but there's a timing for everything where you should go. And it's better to be directed by the God by the Holy Spirit to know where to have, when to speak and when to just listen. But let's read today and, and let's see what today God will give us today from his word. The Bible says in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain. It's interesting because the, the word Nain means beautiful sight. It's a beautiful beauty. And many of his disciples went with him. And notice this. It didn't say, it wasn't talking about 
the 12 disciples is talking about his followers of God. Many of his disciples went with him. And then, it's, and then it adds, and much people. So I want you to notice that. Notice how to look at these details when you read the word of God. Jesus went with many of his disciples. And then he calls the others. He doesn't call them disciples. He said many people. So what we see is that Jesus is walking with a crowd of people. There's two types of crowd that exist today. One that walks with Jesus and one that is about to meet Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. I felt that. And it came and when he came near to the gate of the city. He noticed that at the gate of the city, there was a dead man that was being carried out. Then the Bible says he was the only son of his mother. Whom was already a widow. And, and the picture that Jesus sees is a picture that many people surrounded this widow. And many people were there comforting this woman. It seemed like the whole city was with her. Here Jesus is walking with some of his disciples and many people. And he meets another crowd, almost the whole entire city, who was in mourning. Who was grieving with a mother who just some time ago had lost her husband. And now has lost her only son. But I thank God for Jesus. And then the Bible says, but when the Lord saw her. There's nothing like the gazing eyes of Jesus when he looks at you. At the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light. And the burdens of my sin were rolled away. It was there by faith. I received my sight. And now I am happy all the day. The Lord saw her and he had, the Bible says, he had compassion on her. My Lord, we need compassion in this hour for many of you. And he said unto her, I like this, weep not. Doesn't it seem always like God tells you to do the very opposite of what you're doing? <laughs> when you're laughing, he says mourn. When you're weeping, he tells you to laugh. When you're in fear, like Gideon, he'll tell you, hey, mighty man of valor, how you doing? He said, like, what do you mean, mighty man? I'm scared trying to fight for my life. And he came. I love this, man. Man, Jesus, when he walked, he walked with authority. That's the way you got to walk with, man. And hallelujah, and this world is with authority. And he, he just touched the body. He didn't motion it to stop. He just, just touched the body. And he said, and they that bear, bear him immediately stood still. <laughs> they didn't question. They didn't say, who's this dude? Right? California King James Version, right? Who's this dude touching the buyer? The coffin. They immediately stopped as if they knew that this man was like no other man. Then he speaks to this young man, a type of the generation. Of our generation today. He said young man. 
I don't ask, but I say unto thee, arise, get up. Notice, and he, the boy that was dead, immediately sat up and began to speak. I believe if Jesus had another name for him, it would be Funeral Crasher. He would mess up funerals. This would be one of three miracles that Jesus, that we have accounted for in the Bible. Remember, he resurrected Lazarus. He resurrected the daughter of Jairo. And this would be one of his third, one of his miracles that he did with this, the widow. They didn't even give her a name. Cause of the widow of name. <laughs> And he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother. And there was a fear on all. See, now, at the end, two separate crowds, at the end, they're all together. And there came a fear on all, and they glorified God, saying that a great prophet is risen among us, and that God has visited his people. How many of you know and believe that God... We need a visitation from God. We need a visitation from God in our prayer services. We need a visitation from God in our Bible studies. Two Wednesdays from God in our Bible studies. We need a visitation from God in your home, in your marriage, in your children, in our services. Where when people come here, they don't come to see a man. They come here because they love the word. And because they know the presence of God is there. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the privilege that you give us, God. This is such a holy moment, God, to, and such an honor, Lord, to de- deliver your word. At times, we don't even know what to say, God. Words fail us, God. But God, I thank you that we can rely on your anointing today, God, and rely on the knowledge of your word and and help us anoint our lips to declare what thus saith the Lord and anoint the hearts to receive your word and hear what you want to be heard today. Father, we give the enemy no room to to plant fear, doubt, and distraction and, and, and hinder the word. Allow me to hide behind you, Lord. Help me just to be a vessel. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Lord, we also pray for the Coachella Valley Rescue Mission as we minister tonight there. You will strengthen us and there will be an expectation of something great that will happen in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody says amen. Amen. This is one of, as I've told you, one of my favorite stories. And there's so many ways that God has spoken to my life prophetically of how a simple story that seems to see to the to the carnal eye, it's just a story of Jesus coming. He you know raised up, woohoo, man! God raised up a dead man. But to the spiritual eye, we know that there's something prophetic that is happening, and it is a type. 
What we have is a mother who has lost her husband, has lost every support that she would have financially, has lost the father of her children, has lost uh, somebody, and, and now the only thing that she has, which is her little young boy, has now been stripped away from her. And if, if you have eyes to see, you begin to understand that really this mother represents the desperation of many parents and fathers today. And it represents the desperation of mothers who have their children who are, who are right now being, being, being dragged down by the ravages of sin. Broken marriages and, and really we live in a country here that has more, more depressed people than anybody in the world. This is no longer the most happiest place on earth. So many people suffering from depression. And what we do and the way we try to, to counter those things, you know, we'll go to a psychologist or, or we'll go to the doctor and the doctor will just kind of just prescribe you a legal drug. A pill. And you find yourself in worse trouble than when you first begun because now many times in drinking those pills... And I'm not saying that drinking pills is wrong. What I'm telling you is many times your problem is not a pill. Your problem is a spiritual problem. You open yourself up into the spirit realm. See? And you become dependent on those pills. See, you're not a drug addict just because you use illegal drugs. You can be a drug addict using legal drugs. And still be just as bound or worse. There's more legal drug addicts than illegal drug addicts in America. Did you know that? But we see that the desperation of this, of this mother, and I'm going to show you something that the, that the prophet Isaiah prophesied about that has to do with this. Because when Jesus came in the fulfillment of time, he came at the time that God had already appointed before the foundation of the world. God had already said in his mind that he would send Jesus at a very critical time on this earth more than 2,000 years ago. On the other hand, we see the only thing that this mother had was a young boy. The Bible, it says it was a young man. A young man that represents our generation today. See, our generation today is full of beautiful people, but it's a generation that does not know God. It is a generation that has no clue of who God is. It is a generation that is bound by the things of the world, that is bound by the music and by the, and by the personalities of the world, that is bound by sexuality, that is bound by, by so many things. And it, it, it seems like it's a dead cause for this generation because they don't know God. A generation that has hardened their heart and don't want nothing to do. And sometimes I don't blame them because what we see in church is not God. It's a form of godliness because we sing songs and, and we come and we raise our hands. But our lives outside where we should really shine are nothing but a bad example for our children. And many times we ask ourselves, why don't our children serve God? Or why don't our husbands or wives serve God? Maybe you ought to look at yourself and say, am I being the example that God has called me to be?
woman, desperation, and would seem like a dead cause. But this is the very place that Jesus would go. When you read the stories of the miracles, you know, remember when he when he met the woman from Samaria at the well, he said the Bible says that it was needful for him to go to pass by Samaria. Hallelujah. It was needful to him to go to Galilee. It was needful for him to pass Judea. It was needful for him to go see everything that Jesus did was needful. Not for him, but for the souls, for the sake of souls. And, and, and you know, God, God, Jesus had no business going through name, but he knew that he had to, he had business to do. He had to go somewhere, but might as well go over here and touch this person. And the Bible tells us that Jesus, as they were hearing him uh, preach, uh, that a crowd of many of his followers surrounded him as he went to Nain. And, and not just a crowd of followers, amongst them were just people. I told you that there exist two types of crowds today. One that walks with Jesus and one that, walk, that is about to meet him. Hallelujah. But l- let me give you a little insight about this crowd of Jesus. See, we get, this, we get this, this, this idea in our hands that those that were walking with Jesus were all holy. Amen. You know, and just, just saints walking. You could just see the, 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 what do you call those? The, the halos around them. Amen. They were just, hallelujah, walking with Jesus. No, 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 no. Jesus had all kind of funny people around him. He had people that were sincerely hungry for God, but then you had those curious people that just go to church to go check out what's going on and what's happening over there. Hmm, I like this guy. This guy's kind of cool. Let me go see what's going to happen over here. You know, you, you, you got those, those tag-alongs to just kind of come and they got nothing to do. Might as well just go hang around with Jesus. Might as well. At least I see things happening. At least I know that if I get hungry, he's going to feed me like he fed the 5,000 and the 4,000. And I'm going to at least go to get me some fish and chips. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I know I heard some, some, some stomachs uh, grumbling right now when I said fish and chips. Glory to God. Oh, man, that bread that he multiplied. Hallelujah. And that fish. Oh, my God. See, God, man, hanging around with Jesus is the coolest thing you can do, young people. Let me tell you, brother, everything that you hear that, that you hear about Jesus, it's not true, man. Hanging around Jesus is the best thing that you can do. Do you know Jesus? You better know he's my friend. Yes, hallelujah. You're Jesus. You better believe it, I am. He's done me good. So around this crowd, there were those that were walking with Jesus and, and really sincerely listening, listening for the milk to, to receive. Because when this man spoke, he spoke like no other. When this man spoke, he has such an authority that he would tell the wind. She said, be quiet. Would say, who is this man that even the winds listen to him? Let me tell you, he was a man. He was God himself. But he was 100% man filled with 100% filled of the Holy Ghost being led in everything he did. But yes, you know, when there's a move of God, you're going to find some crazy people in it. And that's okay. You're going to find some people, some knuckleheads, and that's okay. I mean, we don't got knuckleheads here. It happens in other churches, James. It's somewhere, somewhere. Else. But over here, we got halos over here, man, with people. We got saints. But it's okay. Don't get frustrated. The Bible says that it's necessary that the wheat and the tear grow together. See, while you 
tripping? Or were you, were you getting all mad about some folks in church the way they are? You don't know that they've been called to kind of mold you up and help you to grow and help you to love those that don't love you, to help you to love your enemies, to love those who speak or, or speak against you or against God. But see, understand that that's not your problem. You promise to be an example, but there will be a time when the harvest comes that he'll separate the wheat and the tear. And I believe that's what God is doing in these days. He's about to separate the wheat and the tear. Those who are really hungry for God. Just imagine the excitement walking with Jesus, the expectation that this man was doing miracles, that when he spoke, brother, you know, we have people in church, man, the moment we go over an hour, man, they're looking at their watch and they're like, man, when is this going to happen? And I don't blame him because there's a dead, but when the anointing is flowing, you got to, something is wrong with you, not the preacher. But it doesn't happen here, it happens in other places. So listen now. Jesus was so anointed that he spoke to a crowd of over 5,000 people for three consecutive days. Nobody even went up to eat. That's some anointing, bro. <laughs> I think God anoints me for about 30 minutes and after I lose you. So I got about 15 more minutes of anointing. Can you believe that? Doesn't it seem, should I say this? It seems in church, man, that all of a sudden, man, kids and just people get ants in their pants and they got to go to the bathroom like five times. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But, you know, but when they're playing their PS3 or thing, you know, this is for hours, but also, hallelujah, glory to God. And, you know, they don't want to look at the ushers so the ushers don't get that look from the ushers, you know, they look around, hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. But Jesus, when he spoke, there was an anointing upon him that that people would stop. And for a moment, they would just listen. You know, it got for three days. He he taught him. And all of a sudden, he said, hey, man, we got to feed the people that haven't ate. And then Jesus said, why don't you feed them? Jesus, man, he's kind of funny. man. He does things a little weird. What do you mean? What do you feel? We don't got money to go to McDonald's to get 99 cent cheeseburgers for ourselves. What you think? We're going to go to get them, man. I've got money for myself. He said, what do you have? Well, I found this, this young dude. He had uh, two fishes and five loaves. Okay, what are you waiting for? Said, bring them over here. The Bible said that. He got the fishes. Offered them up to God. Prayed. And those fishes and bread multiplied. What do you think God is trying to tell us? So we're always looking to people. We're always looking for advice with people. Is that wrong? No. But we're always looking to people. We're always, well, let so-and-so pray. Let this evangelist pray. God is telling you, what are you looking? You have the power inside of you. There's bread inside of you. I've deposited in front of you. Now it's time for you to give. Now it's time for you to go out and, and feed the poor and give people spiritual milk that will lift them up. There, you don't need Pastor Jeremy. You have a word inside of you that can speak life. Somebody. Jesus is always trying to teach his disciples, and they're walking. 
expecting, not knowing where they were going, but Jesus knew where he was going. And at the other side here, there was a crowd full of grief, understanding before, uh, literally a city. You know, people put, put their evil things for a side. I think crime stopped for a side because they all felt compassion for this woman. Think about this in the spirit realm. A crowd hanging around with Jesus in a crowd, hallelujah, that is waiting outside of these doors. See, we always want God to bring souls to this church, but they're waiting outside of the doors for you to bring them in. They're waiting for someone like you. See, because there's souls that don't have my name on it. They have your name on it. There's souls that are dependent on the word that is inside of you. That if you don't say nothing, they will not get saved because God has given them to you. They have your name on them. So there is a crowd of people that they're waiting outside. There's streets. There's works everywhere we go. There's a nation. There's a world that is waiting for someone to go out. They're waiting for a move of God who will go. Do you understand what I'm telling you? See, we work like, let's bring them to church, see if they get saved. Praise God for that. But that's not what God wants. You get them saved. Let them be saved under your ministry and then come and bring them. I said, now let me take you to a place, to a church where you can come and learn. Oh, man. The Bible tells us, if I know the word of God, Jesus was stepping into a region of death. I want you to go to Luke, um, you don't have to go there. I want Erica, go to Matthew chapter 4, verse 16 and 17. Check this out. Isaiah would prophesy years before. And he would say, declare this prophecy. Listen to the prophecy. He says, the people which sat in darkness. Isaiah, I believe, says walked. He says a little. This is actually worse because at least they're walking. They can have, but they sat. It speaks of a place of comfort. Just pretty much like, man, I've given up. The people which sat in darkness saw what? Who do you think he was prophesying about? Number one first of who? Of Jesus Christ. You'll get it at two in the morning. And to them which sat. Where? In the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. Isaiah saw in the future, he prophesied that there would be, and let me tell you, that's not just talking about Jesus, it's talking about you, but let, let's speak about Jesus right now. The Bible said that what he saw in the future, that, that, that there was a light that came, the, the, the people that, who sat in darkness all of a sudden, they were there. You know, see, a lot of people are in darkness because of ignorance. You know, they, they just, they were not born in, in a Christian home, so they've never been taught about God. So they, they don't know much. 
They don't have the privilege. I thank God that I had the privilege to, to be born. I think I got saved in my mother's womb. I was born in a Christian home. That's all I've known. But there's many who have never known God. And they're just there. They think, well, you know, this is where I'm supposed to be. Nobody has ever told me the way. Nobody has ever told me that Jesus loves me. Nobody's ever told me Jesus is the light. Nobody's ever told me nothing. But the idea that, 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 that Isaiah gave was that the people which sat in darkness, all of a sudden they're there, just, this is life. You ever feel like life is like a routine? You ever feel like, man, you just feel like giving up and life is just a routine, a circle, a circle of ups and downs. You do good for six months and then you mess up again and you're back to the same thing. And it's like a cycle you cannot break. But all of a sudden, the idea is that they're sitting in this, in this place of darkness. And what they see is the illumination of a light that is coming towards them. Mm. So you don't know what I'm talking about unless you've been there. And those dark moments where all you see is darkness and, and the only thing that is keeping you alive is a speck of light that you see. Those times you are in such a darkness in your life and such a, you've, you've hit so low in life that the only thing that you're standing on and you remember is that thing that grandma used to take you to church or what mom or dad or what somebody told you maybe years ago, somebody spoke to your spirit and said, Jesus loves you and God is, and that's the only thing that is keeping you alive, a speck of light. He said, to them which sat in the region, think about that, and in the shadow of death, gives the idea that there's places that are dark and there are others. There's some places you'll never want to go to. There's some places maybe some of you men or women have been and you know what I'm talking about. You say, brother, that's a place I never want to go back to. But the fact is that you belonged in a, a region, you know, a region is known. You know, we talk about the region. This is the region. This is the place. This is where, where we're at. We cover this region. You know, your cell phones, you know, uh, depending what, what carrier you have, depending where you live. AT&T may be better, Verizon, whatever, because it's depending on the region that they have. You ever been that? You ever seen, you ever been with somebody who has a different phone carrier and his phone works better than yours or yours better? It's the region. And then it says something interesting. It says, and the shadow of death. You know, I'm talking about dark moments where even when you're trying to escape it, there's still a shadow of death that lingers wherever you go. You ever feel like that? That every, everything you touch, everything you go, there's trouble around you because it seems like there's a grip that death has in darkness over your life. No matter, no matter how many times you try to run from that dark place, something always pulls you back. Because death has a grip.
by the Spirit of God. Let me tell you this. There's a deliverance that needs to take place in some of your lives. But the deliverance that I'm talking to you about is not just a little prayer we're going to make. Hallelujah, Lord, deliver me from my situation. I'm talking about there's some deliverance. That's going to mess you up. We get little patty cake prayers sometimes that we make. Patty cake prayers ain't going to deliver no soul from the grip of hell. Because there's some darkness, there's some dark places that can only be by the power of God. I remember the old saints of God. When someone would come to the altar. Somebody somebody needs to come to the altar with me tonight. And, and I know it was 9 o'clock. But if someone needed deliverance. Hallelujah. I thank God that when I was growing up. There was godly people who said. Son. I don't care to what. They didn't even have to say anything. We just knew that we wasn't going anywhere. Other people left. But I knew. Me and my family. That we weren't going to go anywhere. Until that soul got delivered. See, what's going on with our services and our church services? Stay right there, brother. With our church services tonight, we come and, all right, you want to accept Jesus Christ, Lord, and say, we just say these words and go back home. Hallelujah, praise God. But where are those times where we spend in the altar until someone gets delivered? Amen. And I've been in some of them delivering services. Hallelujah. That person, hallelujah. And just hallelujah. And I, I, man, there was this uh, hallelujah, the church mother. She called this young, um, an artist. I'm not going to tell you his name, who's a great singer. But he said he was dealing with, with, with something in his life. And she said she got him and she put him into her breast and said, in the name of, begin to rock him and shake him and rock him and shake him. And said, in the, God, he said, don't even leave the residue there. Hallelujah. And began, and see, and after that, you know, after they got their deliverance, you thought it was over. And then it was time because now the one who was healed was jumping and leaping all over the place saying, glory to God. Hallelujah. Let's all celebrate glory. And it was 10, 11 o'clock and he was just jumping and shouting. And all of a sudden, hallelujah, he was so tired, he went back and you had to go back with them and say thank you and the third part of the deliverance was a thank you Lord that I was delivered but let me tell you when that man would get up from that altar when that man would get up from the altar something new man he, you know he came here with his hair jailed back but all of a sudden it, his hair was messed up uh, and if it was a woman that wig was off uh, but you knew she had been delivered you knew that God done something that makeup had gone all over her face but you knew that she was delivered some of them came with their shoes off but you knew that she was delivered hallelujah and the next time you would see him in a service you wouldn't see the same Reuben you would see somebody different that's been delivered from the shadow from the grip of hell from the grip of darkness God wants to deliver some of you but you got to come and get let go of that grip that Satan has over you and say God if you don't deliver me if you don't touch me I will not be set free Woo, hallelujah somebody praise him I said somebody praise him somebody lift up your hands and praise him I'm talking about deliverance I'm talking about deliverance from drugs deliverance from homosexuality 
sexuality, deliverance, hallelujah, from alcohol, deliverance from pornography, deliverance, hallelujah, from all those things. Your pastor deliver you, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I kid you not. (laughs) One of my favorite preachers. His name is R.W. Schambach. Hallelujah. Just that name makes you tremble. Hallelujah. He was an old white boy, man. White boy preacher, man. But he was tremendous. He said one time, he said, uh, hey, Schambach, they told him, uh, there's somebody over there that needs deliverance. He said, I ain't going by myself. So he, he picked up seven sisters that were robust but they can sing them blood songs, he said. <laughs> he said, bring me some seven robust sisters that can sing blood songs. And he said, you come over here. And she said, nine and ten. And it was nine, ten, two hours passed. And all of a sudden, they were no longer seven. There was five until two of them stayed with him. But he was still struggling. And, and then all of a sudden, he, he, he asked the person, he said, are you delivered? He or she said, yeah. Lying devil, get out of here. <laughs> And again, hallelujah, hallelujah. And all of a sudden, the, 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 the one who was demon-possessed called his name. And Shambach stopped. He said, man, the devil knows my name. Glory to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, be delivered. <laughs> See, we, we don't have church like that. That's, that's too crazy for some of you. See, we want to be dignified. You know, let's come. I'm coming with 50 demons and I don't know how many spirits and thinking a little prayer just going to be like, all right. And people are crying out for you. You're like. Cool. What's up, dog? Do man. I just got delivered. Yeah, really? Hmm. A region. Shadow of death. You want to know what that is? Go to the streets one day with us on Friday. You'll see the lostness in people's eyes. Kid you not. When people see us, their lights light up. Something different about you guys. And we feed them. We'll give them a good burrito. You know, water, whatever we have. Or a granola bar from fine food, whatever we can find. But they don't even care about that. They say, we want the word that you have. We've been in this desert where there's sand hitting quotas and people being delivered and having church in the middle of nowhere. But the fact is that most people, they want it. But they can get out of their situation. Their situation. They want it. They want change. They want deliverance. But it has a grip on them. I'm not talking to you, but I want to serve notice on the devil right now. In every principality and power. There's a people of God that is arising in this hour. 
that are coming in the name of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Ghost. And, and we're about to see a harvest that we've never seen of lives being delivered for the glory of God. It's time. Hallelujah. It's time to stop shedding yourself and just in church and coming and enjoying and doing nothing. No, it's time to get up and be who God has to be. That when the devil sees you walking, demons have to make way because there's a light inside of you. Jesus is inside of you. The glory, the presence, the authority that even demons have to flee. Hmm. Mm, mm, mm. Mm, Jesus going with the crowd. Hallelujah. Grief going on and all of a sudden they see right in the middle of them. There is a light. It's like if everything became quiet. And the first thing that Jesus did, he looked with compassion. To this woman. That look of love. A look of hope. He sees this woman and he says, Weep. Love that song that says, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look for his glory and grace. And the things of earth shall go strangely dim in the light of his glorious face. To you, my friend, that are here, there's a look of love that is awaiting you. God is not here to condemn you for the things you've done, but there's a look of love, of compassion for you. The Bible says that he stopped that coffin right there. He stopped it. And the Bible says that he spoke. He touched the buyer and then they bear him stood, they that bear him stood still and he said, Young man, I say unto thee, arise. Young people, look at me for a moment. The word of God speaks of you. You are not forgotten. It's time, young people in this church, to arise. You represent a generation that is dying. 
you represent. But I'm going to tell you, God in his infinite wisdom prophesied about you. And what he prophesied, he said that in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, upon your children, upon your young men, young women, and your, and your adults should have dreams and visions. That's a prophecy not for another generation. This is for this generation. Can this be a generation that shall see the coming of the Lord and shall not see death? This very well may be the generation. And if this is the generation, then the word has to be fulfilled. I will pour out my spirit. I will pour out my spirit. I don't care how dead, how bad this generation is. There is a remnant. That will rise up and God is going to use in this hour. Could it be you, young person? Could it be you that God is calling? Could it be you that God is saying, get up, get up. Stop looking to your left. Stop looking to your right. Stop doubting me. Who cares what they do here or there? But will you arise? Will you arise? God wants to touch you. God wants to touch your dead spirit and give resurrection and life to you. We always look at the word and we say, that's what God did back then. And we're always hoping, I wish God could do it. No, God wants to do it. He wants to do it. See, the devil wants to see you dead. I'm talking about spiritual death. You're privileged in this house. Because you are experiencing the presence of God and the word. I'm not being mean, but go to other churches and the young people are more dead than anything. They don't even want to be there. But there's a few young people that love God. Look at them. They're sitting all over there. They're paying attention. You know, people always ask us, man, how many ministries? You say, well, really, we just have one. Our kids and young people get the same word and it works. So why change it? Is it wrong having? No, nothing wrong. But I don't want our kids to be entertained and just put a video in and they'll color some books. No, no, give them the word. Look, hallelujah. We've seen kids here at the age of six and seven get baptized in the Holy Spirit in our altars. Amen. Right now we have just started. Almost done. Bible says that he's a young man. I say unto thee, arise. Brother Eric, help me out. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak. And Jesus did something so beautiful. That son that was dead, must have got him by his hand, and he delivered him to his mother. And when the people, the two crowds came together, the Bible says that fear fell on all of them. But not the fear of I'm scared, but fear, a holy fear. That's what we need in this church. That's what we need as a believer. We need a fear of the Lord, a holy fear. 
Many people playing church today. Many people playing Christianity. No, we need a holy fear. This is not a joke. This is your very soul that is at stake. God had visited his people. And I end with this. The people who were in darkness saw a great light. Those that were in the region in shadow of death. Life sprung up. Jesus has gone up. He resides in heaven. You and I. Are the carriers of that light. The Bible calls the church. The mystical body. Of Jesus. He's the head. And who is the body? He's got the brains. We take in action what he tells us to do. You and I are the manifestation. What am I telling you? Are you telling me that. Power that resided in Jesus Christ, you better believe it does. I've walked to many places. I've walked to places where people were about to commit suicide or about to harm themselves, and the very presence that resides in those that were with us together stopped this person from taking his life. We have walked to places I have preached by the grace of God. We have preached in prisons with murderers. And God has touched their lives. Because there's something that resides inside of you. You can't live this Christian walk always feeling sorry for us because I'm avoid to get up. Because you're holding back from someone else receiving because you got to deliver that word. If you're here today, every head bow, every eye close. I sense his presence in this place. Just, just begin to worship him. All over this place. There where you're at. Just lift up your hand. Levanta tus manos y no tú estás. Tell them, Lord, we need a visitation from you. If you're here tonight and you need prayer, you need deliverance, you need salvation, I want you to quickly come to this altar. I want to pray with you. No matter who 